Welcome to the Speaking Your Lingo podcast, where my goal is to help this generation think well. My name is Shane Lingo, and today we are jumping into a brand new series all about the concept of truth. In fact, I'm calling today's episode, The Truth About Truth. And so throughout this series, we're going to be wrestling with some of life's biggest questions as we focus on this concept of truth. Today, let me start out with a question. Growing up, did your parents ever have these, what seemed like random phrases that they would say every so often? Phrases that they would repeat over and over again throughout the course of your childhood. Phrases that were meant to teach you something. Or maybe they were phrases that were meant to make you laugh. Or or phrases that were meant to make you think at a deeper level. And if you're like me as an adult, those phrases are now burned way down deep into your memory. So far down uh, that they've probably, in many ways, become a part of you. Well, when I was growing up, my dad used to have this phrase that I'll never forget. He used to say this, liars are worse than thieves. Anytime that someone would tell a lie, you would hear my dad say, liars are worse than thieves. They lied and liars are worse than thieves. And while this might be an interesting way to say it, my dad was communicating to us kids that lying is one of the worst things that you can do. And so for him, you know, someone stealing something or someone who's a a thief is is really high or, or bad on the list, if you will. And lying goes even beyond that. And so this was his way of of communicating that again, lying is one of the worst things that you can do. And as as I've grown up and as an adult, these words, um, these these five simple words really taught me a valuable lesson. From a young age, they taught me to value truth. Now, one of the challenges with having this conversation today in our current cultural context uh, concerning this topic of truth is that many people are confused on what truth actually is or when we use the word, what we actually mean by it. And yet this podcast is built on the idea of helping this generation think well. And I'm convinced that we can't get there unless we start with truth. In order to think well, we have to understand how truth and reality come together. And so I wanna start this series and this episode by clarifying what I mean when I use the word truth. Because There are really two ways that something can be true. Something can be subjectively true and then something can be objectively true. And so when you think about subjective truth, I want you to think about music for a moment. What is the truth about music? Well, the truth about music is that early 2000s pop punk is the best music ever created. I'm talking Blink-182, Fall Out Boy, Good Charlotte, If you grew up as a 90s kid in a strict Christian home, maybe Reliant K might be all you ever got, but early 2000s pop punk music is the best music. Now, if you disagree with me, I can't look at you and tell you that you're wrong because when it comes to music, I have my favorite genre of music and you have your favorite genre of music because it's subjective. And so as long as your favorite genre of music isn't country, we can be friends. (laughs) and I'm only kidding, my wife's favorite genre of music is country, Um, but it's okay for you to have your favorite genre of music that you like, and it's okay for me to have my favorite genre of music that that I like, 
because it's subjective, right? What's true for you is true for you when it comes to the music that you like. What's true for me is true for me when it comes to the music that I like. And that makes sense when it comes to music. We don't all have to like the same kind of music. And again, that makes sense. It's a, it's a preference. That's a subjective truth. But let's talk about objective truths for a sec. Because objective truths are different. When you think about objective truth, I want you to think about an antidote for a sec. Imagine that you and your family, you're on a vacation in Australia and you're bitten by a super rare and venomous snake. Because of course, that's what happens when you visit Australia, at least in my mind. And now imagine you're rushed to the hospital and you describe to the doctor on duty the situation you're in. And you're able to describe to them the type of snake that bit you and exactly what happened. And now the doctor looks at you and says, you're lucky that you came in today because you only have a few hours left to live. And there's only one antidote that will save your life. And lucky for you, we actually have a supply of it here. Now, imagine that in this scenario that the the doctor is correct in their assessment. You wouldn't say to the doctor, well, I don't know. What else do you have? I don't really like antidotes. Or, I don't know, I don't really like that flavor. Let me, let me try something else. Uh, maybe I'll try some essential oils or something like that, right? You can't because nothing else is going to work if this truly is the one and only antidote. This is the one true cure for the snake bite. And see, it, it doesn't matter if you don't like the antidote. It doesn't matter if you believe the antidote will work or if it won't work. If it is the one true cure, it's the one true cure, and it's true whether you believe it or not. See, that's the thing about objective truths. They're true whether you believe in them or not. And so subjective truths, they're preferences, like your favorite type of music. But objective truths are facts. Let me give you another example of this. My family and I, we own a dog, and my dog's name is Charlie. Now, Charlie is a mix of two major breeds, and I want you to take a moment and think about it and guess what kind of dog you think Charlie is or what two breeds you think she's made up of. So picture her in your mind and make a guess. Now, if you were able to share your guess with me, I wouldn't say that you have your truth about my dog, Charlie, and that I have my truth about Charlie. That wouldn't make sense because... There's an objective truth about Charlie and the breeds that she's made up of. And that truth goes beyond our opinions. And if you said she's part Pitbull and part Rottweiler, you'd actually be incorrect. That's not what she is. So what is Charlie? Well, Charlie is half Frenchie and half Pug, also known as a Frug. But after knowing that, again, Wouldn't that be odd to say that you have your own truth about Charlie and I have my own truth about Charlie? No, that that would be weird. You can't really say she's a a chihuahua because she's she's not. She's She's a frog. And saying she's a chihuahua or some other kind of dog would mean that we have two mutually contradictive claims, right? And so it, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't follow. See, this is where relativism comes in. When people think that all truth is subjective, but we inherently know that's not how reality works. And so again, one of the challenges when we talk about truth in our current cultural moment is that for the vast majority of human history, when we've used the word truth, 
we were talking about objective truths, something that corresponds with reality. But in our modern cultural moment with an emphasis on relativism, some people use the word when they're really just talking about subjective truths in their own opinion. And I'm not saying this is a new argument. This is an argument that goes all the way back to the time of Socrates, right? But for a good majority of of human history, as we've talked about these ideas of objective and subjective truths and understood these things, when we say the word truth, we really meant objective truths. And I love what apologist Greg Kukul says about this. He says, confused talking leads to confused thinking. Some beliefs are true, others are not. The difference matters. If a story is not accurate to reality, it's not any kind of truth at all. So it could never be my truth or your truth, even though we may believe it. It can only be our delusion. And so when we talk about things being true on speaking your lingo, I'm talking about things being objectively true. Things that correspond with reality, an external reality that is separate from human opinion. Now, as we're, as we're thinking about this, we, we have to ask the question, how do we know if something is objectively true? And so what I want to do is go over three tests or three important, yeah, three important tests really for truth that can help us in this process. So three tests for truth. And the first is correspondence. Does it account for all the facts? In other words, does it make sense with the way that things really are? And so with all the information and evidence that we have, does the claim or the statement correspond with reality? Let me give you an example. If I said, I'm a 250-pound professional heavyweight MMA fighter, and I have a fight coming up this next weekend. But then you went on my Instagram page and you saw a picture of me, or even better, you met me in person, it would be very reasonable to conclude that I didn't tell you the truth. In fact, I only weigh about 165 pounds or so, and although I grew up wrestling, I have never been in or planned to be in a professional MMA match. So when it comes to my original claim, the facts just don't support the claim. I don't get to say that I am a 250-pound professional MMA fighter because it just doesn't correspond with reality. Now, a second test for truth is coherence. Does it contradict itself? If I said my sister is jealous of me because I'm an only child, you'd kind of step back and think, wait, what? What what do you mean by that? Because someone can't be an only child and have a sibling at the same time. That, That statement contradicts or cancels itself out by definition. In other words, it cannot be coherent if they are two mutually exclusive claims. So take a moment and try to think about some statements that contradict themselves. Let me give you a a few more examples. So for example, you shouldn't believe a word I say. Well, then you kind of have to ask the question, should I believe that? We can't do anything. Or sorry, we can't know anything. Do we know that? There's no such thing as truth. Is that true? Science is the only way to determine truth. Well, can you prove that scientifically? Everything is an opinion. Well, is, is that just your opinion? All truth is relative. 
is that relative, right? And so when we, when we look at these different phrases, right, we can see that they're not coherent. They, they fall apart. Now, a last test for truth is functionality. And when we talk about functionality or is it functional, really we're asking the question, is it possible to live out meaningfully and consistently? Sometimes you hear people make the claim that life is meaningless, but no one can truly live as if there's really no meaning to life. Or, or maybe even a better example, some people say that morality is subjective. And kind of this idea that we each get to choose our own morality. But no one really can live that way as if I get to make, truly make up my own morality and you get to truly make up your own morality. Now, why is all of this important? Why is this, this conversation about truth and everything that we're talking about today important? It's because we all have different views on reality. We have different views about God. Is there a creator or did we get here by some cosmic accident? We have different views on morality. Are there objective moral truths or is morality all subjective? Is gender fixed at birth or is it fluid and something that we get to decide for ourselves? And one, one of the biggest questions is, is the earth flat or is it a sphere, <laughs> right? Now, at the end of the day, there's an objective reality to all these questions. And so when it comes to the God question, for example, at the simplest level, there's, there's really only two options, yes or no. Either there is a God that exists or there, there isn't. Uh, e- either God is real and there's an objective reality to that or there's not. Now, obviously, we can go further and debate who that God is. But on the simplest level, there's either a God that exists or, or he doesn't, right? And so um, there's, but either way, there's an objective reality. There's an objective truth out there. Back in January of 2016, when my family and I first moved to Utah, a good friend and mentor of mine spoke about an article that he read that focused on this concept of truth. The newspaper article was published in the Salt Lake Tribune by columnist Robert Kirby, and it was titled, Could You Handle the Truth About Your Religion? And in this article, he posed an interesting question. He said, what if you could learn whether the religion you follow is true simply by pushing a button? What a great question. And so for our purposes, we'll we'll call this the truth button. Imagine you had access to this truth button. And now you're standing in front of it. And if you choose to press this button, you will learn if everything you believe about life, God, religion, evolution, if it's true or not. You'll learn if you press this button, you'll know if it's true. The question is, is do you press the button? And the reason this is such a great question and scenario is that it exposes whether or not you and I are truth seekers. In other words, it exposes how much we value truth over comfort or how much we value truth over being right. See, the challenge for most of us is that we often value two things over truth. It's it's those two things. First, we overvalue comfort. We are on a comfort quest. We, We don't want to be challenged or we don't want to be hurt. And the truth can be hard. As the saying goes, the truth hurts. But this actually brings me to our quote of the day. 
And so as always, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a quote for today. And as I read it, I want you to take a moment to think about it and I want you to guess who said it. It says this, if anyone can prove and show to me that I think and can act in error, I will gladly change, change it. For I seek the truth by which no one has ever been harmed. The one who is harmed is the one who abides in deceit and ignorance. So take a moment, think about it, guess who said it. If you guessed Marcus Aurelius, the ancient Roman emperor and philosopher, you are correct. Born in Rome on April 26, 121 AD, Marcus Aurelius was a Stoic philosopher and the last of the five good emperors of Rome due to the fact that he helped sustain a time of prosperity for the Roman Empire. But I love what he says. It's not the truth that harms. The the truth is true whether we know it or not. But on the other hand, it's truly ignorance and deceit that cause harm in our lives. It's it's not being aware of the truth, not not knowing what the truth actually is, is when the truth can, can truly hurt us. Now, the second thing we often value over truth is proving our views right. Sometimes we can be more focused on making sure that we win an argument than stepping back and asking what is actually true. So we have these preconceived notion or these preconceived ideas and and sometimes we go into a conversation or a topic and instead of focusing on the question of, okay, what is ultimately true, sometimes we can go into those conversations and essentially just try to prove ourselves right. And so what we're talking about in philosophical terms when it comes to this conversation overall is epistemology. It's the theory of knowledge what we know and how we know it. When you, when you study philosophy, there are three questions that epistemology asks. What is knowledge? In other words, what's the difference between knowledge and opinion? Can we have knowledge? Uh, and you could say that, are human beings capable of achieving knowledge? And how do we get knowledge? What is the process that will lead us to knowledge? And so let's focus on that first question for a moment. What is knowledge? When talking about epistemology, knowledge has three key parts. There's belief, which is an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists. Then you have truth, that which corresponds with reality. And then you have justification. And justification would be why one has good reason for holding their beliefs. And so essentially what justification does is justification is what connects the beliefs in our mind to the world. It's the argument that's, that supports or it's, it's the basis for a belief that shows that it's true. And so if I can provide evidence for my belief that is adequate, then I would have what we would call true justified belief. And if I have true justified belief, then I can claim that I have knowledge. And Plato is actually the one who first came up with this formula. He's the one that put this formula together. Knowledge equals true justified belief. And so as truth seekers, those who want to seek the truth, we want to increase true true beliefs and decrease false beliefs. And we want to get as close as possible to true justified belief with all of our beliefs. We ultimately want knowledge. Now, the problem is, is some would say, and skepticism would look towards this, is that some people will say that we can't acquire truth at all. 
And if we can't acquire truth, then we can't acquire knowledge. But again, to say we can't acquire truth falls apart because you'd have to ask, where did you acquire that truth from? Right? And so uh, I'm going to assume, if I'm going to assume anything, that we can acquire truth. We can know what corresponds with reality. And on the other hand, the problem with relativism, which says that what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me, is that our beliefs don't form the world. Our beliefs are perceptions about the world, but the world, it remains what it is regardless of our thoughts about it, right? I recently saw a film by the title of Mr. Jones, and overall, this film was great. From the storyline to the acting to the spotlight it shines on this historical moment, it was, it was all great. With that, there is one scene you might want to skip over due to some nudity, but other than that, I give this movie two thumbs up. And the, the movie is based on a real historic event pertaining to Stalin and uh, during the time is that he was leading the Soviet Union in the 1930s. And in the film, a journalist by the name of Gareth Jones decides to travel to the Ukraine in order to uncover the truth about what was really going on there during this time. And in doing so, he discovers the horrors of Stalin's man-made famine from a firsthand experience. And so in the film, you get a picture of the ruthlessness of the Communist Party and you see the weakness of the West, which is essentially too afraid to stand up to what's happening. And you also see things like the New York Times and these other intellectual elites during the 1930s defend this horrible atrocity and thing that's going on within the Soviet Union. And so definitely a film worth watching. But I want to highlight one dialogue in the film that I really appreciated as I was watching it. There's a scene in which Mr. Jones and another character, Ada Brooks, are going back and forth in a conversation about the importance of truth and journalism. And at one point in this conversation, after being accused of having an agenda, Jones fires back and he says this, I don't have an agenda unless you call truth an agenda. And Ada Brooks responds back and she says, yes, but whose truth? Gareth Jones says, the truth. There is only one kind. Ada Brooks looks back and she scoffs and she says, that's so naive. And Gareth Jones says, journalism is the noblest profession. You follow the facts wherever it leads. And so as we're talking about truth and what it means to be a truth seeker, that's ultimately the goal. We want to follow the facts or we want to follow the evidence wherever they lead. And so that's what I hope to do in this series as we wrestle with some of life's and reality's biggest questions. I want us to be truth seekers. I want us to follow the facts and follow the truth wherever that may lead us. Now, as we wrap up today, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series, including the next episode. Because in the next episode, I'm gonna be answering the question of what happened to civil discourse? In other words, how do we have these conversations about truth? Where do, where do we even start? Especially when it seems like so often nowadays people are so offended once we come to the, the topic of truth or um, we might point out a, a specific truth. So how do we ultimately have these conversations and what happened to our ability as a society to be able to enter in and to have civil discourse? 
And so I want to encourage you that if you haven't done so already to give this podcast a follow. And if you've enjoyed this podcast so far, I want to encourage you to also leave a review. I, I really appreciate all of the great feedback that I've been getting lately. And so I love your guys' feedback. So um, if you haven't left a review or if you want to leave a comment, again, you can go to speakingyourlingo.com and send me a message or ask me a question. I would love to be able to um, talk with you guys. I'd love to, to be able to respond to those questions. But overall, again, I want to say thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.